Hey there, welcome to Life Kitchen. This is a podcast about finding purpose and meaning while dealing with some of life's biggest struggles. My name is Jason Lowe, and I'm a musician, digital media designer, ex-pastor, and father of four daughters who've struggled with severe anxiety and depression for the last six years. If you're going through a midlife crisis and you need to find your way, this is the podcast for you. I'll cover a wide range of topics, including how to find purpose in life, awakening your true potential, practical approaches to improving your life, and more. We'll feature interviews with people who will bring value to your life and help guide you to become whatever you desire to be. So join us in the kitchen. All right, Live Kitchen crew, we're also live on Facebook right now to give some of my social friends a chance to ask questions or comment as we go along. If you'd like to interact with me while I record the Life Kitchen podcast, just go to facebook.com slash yourlifekitchen and give us a like. Be sure to click follow to receive a notification when I go live, and you can ask questions at any time during the cast. I love to interact with you as we continue to improve our respective selves. So let's connect. For anyone watching on Facebook right now, go ahead and submit your comment whenever you come up with something and I'll reply later on in the show. As always, Life Kitchen is super fortunate to have the amazing Carl Hott as our resident beat maker. He's amazingly talented and creative and I just wanted to send a shout out to him for all he does at Life Kitchen. He's a great guy and if you have a chance, you should try to find him on social media and share some love. Carl, I just want to say, man, thank you for just being you and thanks for sharing your talent with us at Life Kitchen. Today I'd like to talk about a subject that is a bit personal. It's always hard to talk about it, even though millions of people throughout the world have been in the same type of situation at least once in their lives. It's a subject with massive, eternal ramifications, but yet it's still rather taboo to discuss openly in public. It affects movie stars, TV show hosts, musicians, politicians, religious leaders, heck, probably your cousin, your parents, Today, we're going to talk about suicide. Now, before we get too far into this, I want to make something clear. I tend to speak about serious subjects with a tinge of sarcasm, extremism, and humor. It's just my way of trying to make uncomfortable situations a little bit lighter and easier to discuss. It's not my intention to poke fun at or belittle anyone who's ever dealt with suicidal thoughts nor do I mean to downplay the ripples that race outward when affected by the suicide of a friend or family member. I personally have considered taking my own life on several occasions, and while I can say that today I no longer battle these thoughts, I'm still dealing with the same brain, the same chemical makeup that made these thoughts and feelings feel so real and reasonable. I totally understand the reasons why someone would choose this route. It seems to be an inescapable fate for so many people, but is it really inescapable? Is it really the only option when you're knee-deep in the shit of life and you can't find a way out? Today we're going to dive into the subject with the hopes of helping you discover just maybe two or three ways to combat the suicidal thoughts you may be having, or to give you the tools necessary to help someone who may be struggling. So join me in the kitchen as we prepare a few life recipes together.
Now, I don't normally have any sort of disclaimer on anything that I do or say. I feel like advice is just advice, and if you take mine without properly considering all angles, well, that's on you. However, this subject is one of the more serious things that I'll ever speak about. Here are a few things I need to make you aware of before we start. Anyone dealing with suicidal thoughts or feelings should be referred to a professional who's fully trained to handle that type of situation. I'm not officially or legally equipped to give you any sort of medical advice at all. I have absolutely no training in any area of medicine. I'm no psychologist, and I know very little on the whole about how our brains work, and ultimately the only answers I can provide are just things that have worked for me in the past. If you're feeling suicidal, and I know that you don't want to do this, but I encourage you to get some help. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. There is no shame in calling this hotline. These are compassionate, trained professionals who truly want to help you. People who have been through it before and are doing their best to make sure that you don't have to go through it too. I'm just a life coach who knows what it feels like to want to kill himself almost every day. The good news about this is that I no longer fight this battle. Sure, I absolutely still have emotions and feelings that I can't fully control, but I haven't had a suicidal thought with intent in about eight months, and that's a record for me. I want to give you every tool you can possibly use to defeat this hideous beast. You can do this. There's no question in my mind that you are worth it and that you will succeed in life. Just give it at least one more try, and then one more, and then one more, And eventually you can and will overcome what you're feeling right now. And you deserve every bit of happiness that that victory will provide. I want to preface this next part by saying that um, I've had a long history with the church and with religion. Um, I used to work in a church. I was a pastor for several years. And... I don't mean this to be a knock on church or God or your personal beliefs or any of that. And I don't want you to make assumptions based on what I'm about to say, because it sounds pretty rough, honestly. Um, But basically, I'm just sharing with you the truth of what I felt and what I still feel sometimes. Um, I can't change how I felt and I can't change the thoughts that I had, right? So... This next part, I just want you to just know, if you believe in God, I still want you to believe in God. It doesn't mean that I don't. It doesn't mean that my beliefs are all screwed up right now. I don't need anyone to contact me and try to lead me through to Jesus. I just need you to hear it for what it is and to know that this is coming from someone who suffered through all kinds of anguish and depression, only to come out on the other side as a stronger person. So... Okay, I think that's the last of the disclaimers. (laughs) I think we can move on now. I grew up in a pretty normal household. My dad's a preacher, and my mom was a funeral director for many years, as, as well as many other things that she did. She was very talented. She found out she had stage four cancer in November of 2009. She immediately started chemotherapy and then passed away just a few months later on January 18th, 2010. 
It might not seem relevant to the subject of suicide, but this really played a huge role in the downward spiral my mind was joyriding, or shall I say, sad riding. Okay, that's, that's in bad taste. I apologize. Carrying on. Growing up a Christian, I was taught to believe that God always answers prayer, and that if you believe hard enough, he'll do whatever you ask of him. I mean, just check out Matthew 7, 7, I think it is, um, Luke eleven nine, 9, uh, John 14, 3, that's a really good one. The day I found out that my mom had stomach cancer, I knew this was an opportunity to put my rock-solid faith into action. I've never believed in something so much as I believed that my mom was going to be healed. For one thing, she was just that type of woman. I totally anticipated her veins being so tough that they couldn't even get a needle in to start chemo. But more seriously, I believe that God could and would do anything we ask if we have faith the size of a mustard seed. I'll elaborate at some point on the details leading up to her death, but just for the sake of staying on topic, all you need to know is that her death sparked a huge epiphany about faith for me, and it plays a huge role in my eventual suicidal streak. When you're awakened to the fact that what you have believed your entire life is flawed or maybe even just flat out wrong, it can lead you to question a lot of things in your life. In a matter of seconds, I lost all sense of familiarity with a divine being who I dedicated my entire life and afterlife to. That kind of shakeup can rock your entire world, and for me, it made me wonder what it's all for. At that point in my mind, God still existed, but I, I just didn't care. If he existed, he didn't care enough to stand behind his words, so what's it worth? My specific scenario that diverged my path from happy, confident Jason toward depressed, suicidal Jason might not look like your scenario. Nonetheless, we all have our story to tell. Maybe you lost a job or a relationship, or maybe both at the same time. Maybe you were totally screwed out of millions of dollars and you have no idea how you'll ever rebound. Maybe you're listening to this podcast right now because you're on your last leg emotionally and you feel like you just can't take it anymore. It doesn't matter what it is. Your scenario is the realest type of real to you. It's caused you to reevaluate your entire life and every choice you've ever made. Your mind has created a reality in which there is no escape. And maybe you feel like you've discovered a hidden gem in suicide. Maybe you feel like you've finally found the only way out. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, it's not the only way out. It's not even close to the best choice. One of the primary methods of defeating suicidal thoughts is to realize that most of the situations we fear only exist within our minds. But Jason, you don't know what he did to me. No, I don't. You're right. But Jason, you don't know what it feels like to lose a million dollars. No, I don't. You're right. But I do know pain, and I do know what it means to hold on to the past and let it simmer and stir like it's continually happening in the present. When you dwell on and give heed to thinking about the past, your mind recreates the exact pathways it took when the event actually happened. You're essentially reliving the same emotions and pain that you experienced from the onset. That's why memories hurt so bad. That's why they affect some people for their entire lives. 
where every decision they make, mostly subconsciously, can be attributed to something that happened in their history. Once you realize this and can stop bringing the past into the present, you can start to place a lower priority on what has happened and start putting your positive energy toward what is happening. If you want to defeat suicidal thoughts, it all starts in the mind. So I'm just going to be real here. Uh, I'm sorry if this next bit is a little too graphic for some of you, but unless we see the repercussions of suicide in all of its tragic detail, we may never be able to show just how serious it is. When I was suffering in the bottomless pit of depression at the time when I most wanted to end my life, I found it extremely difficult to associate with reality. I had so many lies constantly rolling through my head that I couldn't differentiate the lies from the truth. Depression does that to a person. It makes you totally doubt all that you think you know. It makes you question the motives of every person who offers to help. It makes you wonder if you're even still alive or not. And as insane as that sounds, it makes the thought of suicide that much more easy to to swallow. What little rationale you still possess is drowned out by false reasoning. I can remember trying to silence the movies that played nonstop in my head, movies with the most gruesome, vile outcomes. I witnessed just about every method of my own death imaginable. I plotted and planned a way to do it swiftly and easily, ensuring there was no chance I could lay there and suffer any longer. I finally decided that a gun would do it just fine. So then, of course, I imagined every scenario. I was almost in some kind of manic stupor, really happy that I'd finally decided what to do. The movies in my head always ended as I took my last breath, thinking, you know, that's the final solution. After I failed at my first attempt to go through with it, the movies started showing me more than I saw before. This time I was allowed to see the aftermath. One day when I was daydreaming about my brains exploding against a stark white wall, the movie kept playing. I was allowed to imagine or maybe even witness through some kind of other dimension the reaction of my family when they came home. I can honestly say I've never experienced a pain so real as when I saw their faces in my mind. The terror, the hopelessness, the scarred future of my beautiful children who would forever remember their daddy's brain matter all over the wall. It horrified me. I've never been the same since that day. When I was at my worst, the only reasonable thought in my head was an undying love for my wife and daughters. Without a doubt, they are the reason that I'm still here, and I'm so thankful that I was given the gift of a loving family. I realize that not everyone has a family, and even many who do don't feel the support or love that I do. Whatever your family situation, the point I'm trying to make is that everyone has at least one thing they can hold on to. Everyone has at least one check in the reasons to live category. The trick is to find and recall that thing. The time to do that is not when you're already super depressed and thinking about ways to check out. Hopefully you do have times when you're not totally down and immobilized by your issues. Whenever you are fortunate enough to experience an up day, that's the time to identify the things in your life you can hold on to when you're considering suicide. For me, it was my family. 
But for you, it might be that you really love your job or maybe you're looking forward to a really great concert that you're going to or it can even be as simple as a dessert that you love. You have to pick something that matters to you and lean into that thing hard. Remind yourself that you've chosen and identified that thing as being special to you. Make it unique and genuinely important. Suicidal thoughts don't always follow a particular line of logic. So even though it sounds rather stupid to imagine a chocolate cake keeping you from killing yourself, when you're in that boat, and if chocolate cake works, you imagine the best dang chocolate cake you've ever had in your entire life. Whatever works, my friend. Whatever works. Another way to defeat the incessant suicidal thoughts in your head is to do a daily self-affirmation session, which is actually something we talked about on Facebook recently. Uh, Facebook.com slash Your Life Kitchen. I understand that the last thing you might want to do is stand naked in front of your mirror and tell yourself that you're beautiful and valued, but sometimes you have to hear it from yourself to start believing it. I heard people give this advice for quite a few years, and I laughed inside every time. You want me to tell myself that I'm handsome and talented? Are you kidding? It felt so stupid and meaningless the first time. I remember I got so mad I punched the mirror, and I stood there with this grimace on my face for a long time. I was so disgusted with myself to the point of just wanting to scream, I hate you, at the top of my lungs. It wasn't easy, but one by one, the words finally came out. You are okay. There was a long pause and probably a few sighs. You are handsome. You are going to live a good life. You are worth something. Now, with each sentence, I could feel my fists getting tighter and tighter. I hated this with all my heart, but I continued anyways. I knew the truth deep down in my heart. It was almost like it was fighting to be free, but my depression and anxiety weighed heavy on top of it like a wet blanket. Maybe it was just luck or some kind of crazy reason that I kept going, but I like to think that it's because I'm honestly a champion, and champions overcome obstacles. I wasn't going to let my own brain keep me from being happy. With tears rolling down my face and almost whispering because I didn't want to speak it out loud, I continued, You are kind. You are special. You are important. You are loved. You are going to win this battle and you're going to help others to do the same. I can recall one night in particular, I repeated that last line probably 50 times. You are going to win this battle and you're going to help others to do the same. You are going to win this battle, and you are going to help others do the same. And eventually, I started believing that. Eventually, I changed it to make it more personal. I am going to win this battle, 
and I am going to help others to do the same. I knew that in order for me to change, I had to start believing the things that I was begrudgingly telling myself in the mirror. It's not easy to believe good things about yourself when you constantly feel selfish and small. Part of my escape from depression and suicide included a newfound compassion for others. Now, I've always considered myself to be a compassionate person, but only to a point, right? Now, had I never changed my ways, I would be that guy who bellows about how we should definitely give immigrants a chance, but only if they learn to speak English first. We all know that one guy. Looking back on the old me and the compassion that I thought I had, it's no wonder that my mindset allowed me to descend into self-hatred. It's a funny thing when we realize that we're, we're just all one. I'll get into this more at a, probably a later podcast, but for now I'll just say that until you discover true selfless love for your fellow human beings, it really is impossible to truly love yourself. Now, I just spoke a mouthful of easier said than done, but it is doable. If a human has ever accomplished something, then go ahead and say it. That's right, it's humanly possible. You can start to believe your self-affirmations, but I believe in the order to do that, you must also place the needs of others above your own. Here's a little piece of practical advice that goes along really well with this. If you're feeling suicidal, one of the absolute best things you can do is to volunteer at your local nursing home. Just the mere act of doing something to help those less fortunate will immediately boost your self-worth. And have you been to a nursing home? Not to downplay whatever you're going through, but there's some really messed up things that occur at nursing homes. People with dementia, Alzheimer's, severely disabled individuals, the list could go on and on. It helps you to put your personal feelings in check and gives a way to create a functional priority list. For me, it made my problems seem much farther away. The more you help others, the more you'll want to help. And trust me, you'll feel amazing. You might not feel that you can make much of a difference when there are so many elderly citizens in need of care, but do for one what you wish you could do for all. I promise you, you will be glad you did. The last piece of advice I'll give in this podcast for anyone dealing with suicidal thoughts is something we've covered in previous episodes of Life Kitchen, and I believe it could easily be one of the most effective tools I've ever come across. You need to meditate every day, twice a day, for 20 minutes at a time. Now, if your first response on hearing that is, wow, that's 40 minutes of my day I'll never get back, then you might want to take a deeper look into the benefits of this ancient practice. Not only is meditation credited by professionals with helping to decrease blood pressure, anxiety, headaches, and more, but the benefits to the mind are almost endless. I'm going to set the physical benefits aside for now, but it does pay to note that our physical state has much to do with the state of our minds. If you're constantly intaking foods that are bad for your body, you're probably not going to feel your best. You literally are what you eat. And have you ever seen a happy chicken nugget? <laughs> Me neither. We'll cover some of the relationships between our bodies and minds in a future podcast. But for now, let's talk about how meditation affects the mind. Among people who practice meditation of any type, 
there is around a 75% drop in occurrences of depression. There's a 30% drop in anxiety and a 65% rise in feelings of well-being. So let me say that again. There's a 75% drop in occurrences of depression. There's a 30% drop in anxiety and a 65% rise in feelings of well-being. Each of these benefits affects change in some very crucial areas of the mind. Here's how it works. The prime focus of meditation is usually, well, nothing. Focus on nothing. Our brains are alive and active 100% of the day, even while you sleep, with most of our thoughts centered around either what has happened or what might happen. We are rarely ever present, which leads to poor decision-making and impulsive behavior. In other words, we only react to the situations we face. When those reactions are tinged with our own self-doubt and past failures, we're destined to repeat the same decisions that got us here in the first place. We react based on the fear of the unknown. Meditation allows us to reconnect with our inner selves, that inner voice that's continually blasted away by outside noise. Taking time to be silent and focus on the now gives you a better perspective on what actually is a threat to your well-being. Yes, it looks an awful lot like someone wasting time by just sitting still and being quiet. But in reality, we are able to listen to and follow our own compass more successfully when we can quiet the insanity around us. Your brain is built to essentially do two things. Seek pleasure and avoid pain. It's that simple. Anyone who's ever practiced meditation with some kind of dedication will tell you that it brings pleasure that you can't describe. It gives you a sense of perspective on the whole of your issue so that you no longer act impulsively, but with meaning and purpose. You no longer lash out when you're angry, but you refocus that energy into something more beneficial. I don't have the time in this episode to go through all of the little facets of what makes meditation a great tool for defeating suicidal thoughts. But I promise you that in a future episode, we will unfold and unpack much more about this wonderful technique. In the meantime, if you have questions about meditation, uh, I would suggest that you check out a guy named John Kabat-Zinn on YouTube. His name is spelled J-O-N-K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N. He's written several books on the subject, and his videos are splendid resources to utilize when exploring and discovering this practice for the first time. Even for people who have done it for years, I would highly suggest that you check out John. He's a, he's a great resource to check out. It might be a little deeper than a beginner level, but you'll catch on quickly. After all, meditation is something that even babies can do. Seriously, even babies can meditate. You are naturally wired to be able to do this. It does take practice and dedication, but, and I can't stress this enough, this is one thing that could literally change you forever. Try it. Don't give up the first or second time when you're bored. And let me know what you think. I personally think that you'll find it to be a great resource for you know growing in your self-awareness and uh, just being able to sort of shed all the, the bad emotions and feelings that you might be encountering every day. Um, meditation is one of the primary tools that I've used to help uh, rid myself of suicidal thoughts and intentions 
And I really do think that if you approach it with just an open mind, approach it with um, with no concepts of what it you know what it should be or what you're going to get out of it, um, it could be a great tool for you. So give it a shot. There's no harm in it. Can't hurt you. It's not going to screw you up for life. None of that stuff. Just go out and meditate. Guys, I am so glad that you joined us today in the kitchen. I'm very honored that you would take the time to let me speak into your life, and I do not take this responsibility lightly. If you are finding value in this podcast, I humbly ask that you would share it with others. My goal is to help you become the best version of yourself possible, and through that, you're helping me to become the best version of myself possible. See how that works? It's like a circle of life. Hakuna Matata. (laughs) Be sure to check us out next time on Life Kitchen. Recipes for a better life.